Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know we've got another ATP Challenger breakdown for all of you listeners from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. On today's show, they discuss the rise of Chinese players on the ATP Challenger Tour, discuss a title run from Yuri Lehechka, get into Jerry Shang's incredible week in Lexington, and so much more. It is another fantastic episode that we know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to that, a shout out to our friends at Turner who have been supporting tennis players everywhere with the best grip in the tennis industry. But of course, you know all about the Turner grip. Did you know about their award winning strings and the countless other appliances they offer to make your life easier as a tennis player? If you do not, you can learn more by emailing them at sales at uniquesports.com today. You mentioned that we here at Cracked Rackets sent you. They'll hook you up with discounted prices, hook you up with free samples, treat you like family. Remember, it's sales at uniquesports.com. Mention that we here at Cracked Rackets sent you. But with that said, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger recap from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays Stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Crack Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turna Tennis Grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turna Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis Goods, or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Racket sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn tennis today Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. Today we only have three challengers to review, so that's probably going to be, I don't know, 70 minutes or something like that. You're probably going to be surprised how uh, how quick this recording will be. Uh, where are we starting? Cordenon's Lexington Ribéret. Let's start with Lexington, uh, where we had Shang Yuncheng winning his first ATP Challenger title at just 17 years old. Uh, the first player born in 2005 to do it before any player born in 2004 even won one. Mm. Really insane from this guy. 
Uh, he has never been past the second round of the challenger before, but he went all the way this week in Lexington, beating Emilio Gomez in the final 6 4 6 4. His whole run included wins over Dostanich, then Kukushkin, Safilin, Kovacevic, and then Gomez. Uh, Absolutely very, very impressive run for his first title. Like, my goodness, Sa- Safilin was very tough, Kovacevic was so tough. Gomez, that that last game uh, where, where, where Shang really showed some determination to stick in that game and, and not let it go to 5-5 on Gomez's serve, incredible. Uh, and so he raises he raises uh, 103 spots, breaks the top 300, and he's going to be the new number 241 this week. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Shang Yun-Cheng this week? I mean, only Phoenix is I wish we saw it. We saw more of this run. Yeah. Because so yeah. much of the week in Lexington was halted by rain and when they went indoors unfortunately there were no streams so the quarterfinals the semifinals also the second round between gomez and harrison so even though emilio gomez went in the final uh, went to the final we actually could only watch two of his matches this week which is pretty crazy but you know you, you can't really argue with weather uh, and you take chunk as you as you said uh, I mean, he, he's got so much nat- natural talent. Just really needs needs refinement, needs physical improvement. We'll see how how this goes for him, uh, because he's he's kind of know lanky, how however you want to call it, obviously. And this this could be a problem in the future. But with with how much shot making ability he has, this, also obviously we we need to talk about the uh, the fun fact that uh, Marcelo Rios is working with him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and came for the came for the semifinals to Lexington. He he's also supposed to work one more challenger with him, and then decide if that partnership is going to last. If that is going to be something long ter- long term, I never figured that Marcelo Rios was going to start coaching someone honestly, but if he is to, then someone like Shang with a lot of natural ability, but not. I mean, we'll we'll see if this turns into like some realistic ways to construct points and all. If if Rios is going to coach someone, then this this makes a lot of sense because that that that's kind of how Marcelo Rios was. And and yeah, just 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 a stunning week for a guy whom I don't think we we really expected to raise a challenger title soon. He he never yeah, no. he was never able to put together uh, four or five performances in a row that that never really yeah. happened and yeah it's a, it's a shame that we weren't even able to see his quarterfinal and semifinal wins especially as uh in indoor conditions you'd think that Kovacevic and Safiulin would get a much bigger boost than Shank in, the, in these mm-hmm. particular matchups right yeah absolutely it, it is a real shame uh, but it's also so exciting. I think I put him on a lot of my like what, what, when we picked potential guys to to like mm-hmm. rise this season. I, I think I picked him as one of those, but I certainly wasn't expecting him to go all the way to a title after you know his his year started sort of you know he, he went to qualifying a lot uh and, and he played some decent matches there, but it was it was tough for him and he only I think he only made one second round uh before before this run. But yeah, incredibly impressive. As for Emilio Gomez, uh, his year has been very impressive as well. Now the eighth challenger final of his career, four and four in those finals. Is his fourth this season? Uh, he's gone back to back after winning uh, Winnipeg, of course, uh, last week, and then now going to the final in Lexington. He still hasn't withdrawn from Chicago, which I'm a little surprised. 
uh, maybe, but yeah, I mean, because because that is a very strong field, and he must be tired. But he's now number nine in the race uh, for the Challenger Tour. On his run, he beat Cannon Kingsley, which, by the way, is an amazing tennis name, Cannon Kingsley. I love it. Uh, but then he beat Ryan Harrison, Nicholas Mejia, Enzo Cuoco in the third set tiebreaker in the semifinals before losing to Shang. Up seven spots, number 114. Uh, but yeah, it's incredibly tight at the top because had he won, he would have gone to 101, uh, I think, was, was, the, was the final result that he could have gotten here. But yeah, what did you think of Emilio Gomez this week? Yeah, I had him as a peak, so the, the final loss kind of hurts. But at the same time, you know, a, 70, a very talented 17-year-old who was the junior world number one, winning his first 200 title is obviously a good result for tennis even if it isn't for me in, in terms of the peaks. Uh, I think also one more thing we should mention about Shang was how uh, that sportsmanship, I, I don't know, you, I, don't, I don't know if it's sportsmanship really, but the, uh, there was this situation when a ball kid was about to faint and he was super nice to him, like carried him off the court, basically gave him water and all wow. uh that's uh th that's pretty insane and a lot it, it caught a lot of traction like uh you know tennis tennis media non-challenger tennis media uh picked it up and and then yeah the, the video is on is on many internet websites now so uh, that's very nice of shang uh, yeah, as you said, I mean, Gomez was uh, very close to to getting to the top one hundred. If he if he won, if he won, he'd be like uh, five points away. Uh, yeah. But it's been a superb season. He's never had something like this. Uh, I think he's really grown as a player. Obviously, not not too much potential, but still, uh, he he is a fringe top top one hundred guy right now, which I don't think really uh, was really the case in the past. Uh, how how many points is he is he lacking right now uh, to get to the top 100? I mean, live he is about uh, 14 plus 27 for for because he lost he just lost 19. So it's not really uh, you know automatic that he will get into the top 100. But if he keeps up this form, if he still makes pretty decent runs uh, in most weeks, then then it should happen for him. And absolutely. Uh, rightfully so, even if we're not expecting him to really uh, stick around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, let's talk about our semi-finalists, uh, both sort of interesting, exciting players. Let's start with Kovacevic, uh, for whom this was the, the first tournament uh, after that very, very tough final loss to Yi Bingbu. Uh, but he bounced back pretty well. You know, he, he beat Zachary Sfaida. Uh, then Billy Harris, uh, Roberto Quiroz as well in the quarterfinals and then lost in this very close match to Shang, which obviously we, we couldn't see. But he did have two breakpoints at 5-all uh, in the second set against Shang, uh, which would have you know enabled him to to serve for the match after that. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of Kovacevic sort of bouncing back pretty well here? Yeah, this was definitely a concern after after that brutal final loss, but it's good to see that he was back to his uh, to his usual self. Uh, but yeah, again, we, we couldn't really see the the quarterfinals, the semis, so the run perhaps wasn't the best because the the match I could see, the one against uh, Billy Harris was just absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, I I think we're showing a lot of growth in terms of just how mature. Kovacevic is, and the, even the match against Harris showed it. Uh, just how how he played his game from uh, free free in the in the in the third, 
also the way he uses his slice now because it's not like his backhand had any big technical breakthroughs or something he just he's just using it more smartly and uh, and we're seeing a lot of that with Kovacevic and it should help him secure run, deep runs in challengers more often than, than before. Yeah, uh, and the other semifinalist was Enzo Cuaco, back-to-back semifinals, back-to-back losses to Emilio Gomez, although this one was uh, a good bit closer, going all the way to a third set tiebreaker. Before then, though, he beat Evan Zhu, Keegan Smith, and Gomez Nanda. Um, yeah, and he, he also re-enters the top 200. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Cuaco? Yeah, uh, again, lost to Gomez, as you said. I mean, he, he's got a pretty good serve, so indoor conditions should help him as well. Uh, I honestly, I, I, I think at both events, I figured that Guaco was probably beating Gomez. Uh, maybe, maybe he should have snatched a, a win here. I mean, he, he, he was one of the best players in Lexington and Winnipeg, both, both, both events, but, yeah, just just run into Gomez and lost both times, and definitely a very very positive fortnight for him in in Canada and the states. Yeah, and also I wanted to give a quick mention to Govin Nanda, uh, making the quarterfinals here after beating Svarchina and Brandon Holt. Uh, and yeah, he he lost to Kako there, but it's it's his second career uh, quarterfinal after that semifinal run that we had in Kerry, which I think was the first time that we talked about him. Uh, but yeah, he he's certainly one of the more more fringe American talents uh, that we talk about. But uh, to me, he's he's very interesting. Uh, but I think that we can go on to the doubles, where mm-hmm. we had Yuki Bambri and Saketh Mineni uh, winning the title three six six four ten eight over Guys Brower and Aiden McHugh. Uh, Bambri Mineni very strong uh, team this year. Their fourth challenger title already, sixth title overall because they won those two ITFs. Uh, when when they started out together, number six in the race now, um, just very very impressive throughout. Right, and I think we can go on to Cordenons. Yeah, uh, where we had Zhijian Zhang uh, win the title over Andrea Vavasori, two six seven six six three. A lot of stop and start uh, throughout the match, uh, which you know z- z- sort of sort of messed us up a bit. Uh, but yeah, his third challenger title, his first one since November 2019, after two lost finals this season. Uh, so a huge result for Zhijian Zhang after, especially after dropping that first set so severely to Vavasori. Vavasori having beaten him earlier this year in in Zadar mm. uh, in the first round, which was quite interesting. And I think he also won the first set six two there. Um, yeah, so so that was sort of interesting. Six to, six to yeah. seven six. So if I was already had taken yeah, the second he, he was five rank, then, yeah. then the scoreline <laughs> would, would have been the same. Yeah, uh, but Jag started a, 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 this run uh, against a very tough uh, first round draw in Pavel Kotov, uh, who actually beat sort of easily six two six four, I think. Uh, then Milojevic, Chepeliev, and Muller up 36 spots to number 161 what did you think of Zhijian Zhang this week yeah this was his I think this was his worst tournament in a month and he's <laughs> he's won it I mean the, the matches against Milojevic Chapiela that he really wasn't playing well there and and I guess the final counts to the all the variety that Vavasori has just just really make, uh, troubled him uh I think we were both sort of afraid to pick Zhijian Zhang as a, as the winner this week because he played Kotov in the opening round. But as mm-hmm. soon as I saw the how the match actually played out, 
I was like, Jesus Christ, Zhang <laughs> is winning this, this event for sure. <laughs> Uh, obviously, his level wasn't as good against Milojevic and Chepielev, as I said. Uh, I don't think it was uh, fantastic in the final either. But it makes a lot of sense for Rudenscheid to win this title, because obviously, uh, since Rudenscheid, he's just been a completely different player. He's been he's been insane. Uh, the, the supreme confidence, the belief that he has in his game is just uh, so striking. And so he's done so much to, to really change where he is on the challenger map because for the uh, for the first six months of the year he I don't know he, he wasn't really threatening to win events he he was the semi-finalist yeah, in no. Tallahassee from what I see but uh but we weren't really giving him like a, I don't know, a second look or anything and and right now it's just so different uh like uh like Ibn Kuo, who has a bit of a head start on him because he hasn't played he because he hadn't played for three years so he's not defending anything until uh basically April but Jiren Zhang finished his uh, season in 2021 after Wimbledon so he's also like not defending anything right now so I think it's a real it's a real race between two guys and maybe Yuncheng Shang can even join them uh for the for the first Chinese male to to break the top 100 and honestly this week um Ibing Wu wasn't playing but uh Zhang and Shang both played like top 100 guys and Ibing Wu uh obviously in recent weeks shows showed that he can do it as well uh, so yeah, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense for Jiren Zhang to pick up one of these clay titles. Although in this particular one, he didn't play all. The, he didn't play that well for most of the week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and since uh, since that run in Ludenstadt, he's been uh, he's been sort of scheduling very interestingly. Um, where you know uh, after that he he went to Wimbledon qualifying, then he went to Braunschweig. But after Braunschweig, it was a week off, and then he went to Trieste. After Trace, it was a week off, and then he went to Cordinals. Now he has another week off, and he goes to Grozis Mazowiecki uh, before he goes to the U.S. Open qualifying. So I, I I think there's something in that for him, and he's been hit like every single tournament has been a hit for him. Uh, like you know, Ludenscheid final, then semifinal Braunschweig final Trieste, and now title in Cordinals. That's that's a amazing run for him um, and yeah as for Valasori the finalist here he does leave uh on the champion in the doubles but only a finalist in the singles his second challenger final obviously back-to-back -back finals uh after last week his run uh he he began by beating uh Blancano uh then Dominguez then he looked on the ropes against Mattia Bellucci who had to retire in the third set uh was also down a set to Moreno de Alboran in the semis uh, but he came through all the way to the final where he was much more competitive than against Brancaccio uh, last week. As for his ranking, as for the numbers, he moves up 34 spots, number 176, breaking the top 200. Absolutely incredible. Uh, he has 297 points. 100 of those points have come from these last two weeks. Uh, he's moved up over 100 spots in the rankings uh, over these past two weeks. So absolutely incredible run from Babasori. Uh, what did you think of him this week? Yeah, I think he, he he's definitely shown that he's not only about the net play. He can actually, like, he, he has a lot of potential game plans and a lot of, um, I don't know, tennis IQ, which can allow him to beat guys like Moreno Dalboran and Berucci. He just really knew when to, when to try to grind, when to lure out errors and they, they both faltered. The, the the younger, less experienced players both uh, didn't really uh, didn't have that same ability 
weren't able to produce a, a game plan that was relevant to to the current situation in the match. Uh, so I mean, that, that's amazing for Vagasori. I didn't like the final matchup against Zhang, but he came very close. Uh, at first, I, I figured that it might be more like the Brancaccio final in, in San Benedetto. But obviously, I mean, it's not a given that Andrea Vavasori will win a challenger title. But back-to-back finals, if he if he can put himself in contention this much, then then he should do it at some point. And and he really has the game for it. The, the way he just, uh, you know, for, for, for a few months, he was only a, a double specialist and then suddenly decided to. Mm-hmm. to play singles and clearly it was a it was a good decision because he can he can still you know, be a top challenger player at least although it's going to be a bit of a uh, that problem we talked about with Borges and Cabral that Vavasori is basically at a ranking where he can play main tour doubles right now and you know it's, he's going to have to decide basically whether uh, whether he wants to be focusing more on singles or on doubles as you said he want a he want a doubles title yeah, um, and let's talk about some uh, some of our semifinalists and, and some other guys that we have had here. Um, Alexander Muller made the semifinals, beating Bonadio, uh, got a retirement from Gulbis, then Pellegrino. Uh, he's been sort of very, very solid this season, his seventh uh, quarterfinal already of the season. He's up to number 15 in the race. Um, yeah, what did you think of Alexander Muller this week and sort of his season as a whole? Yeah, as you said, I mean, he, he won the Blois, <laughs> fantastic <laughs> name, Blois title, and uh, definitely has has done a fine job and at picking, uh, like keeping that form going, uh, having that form again. Uh, he he was in the semifinals in Trieste as well and lost to Jiren Zhang. So, uh, I mean, back to back weeks where he lost to Zhang, and I think he would have been the final, uh, the favorite against Vavasori had he had he defeated the Chinese. So, um, you know, just, uh, I guess, pretty unlucky to run to a, a complete beast that Zhang has been over the <laughs> over the past month. And, uh, and that's really, that really killed his runs in Cordenos and Trieste. Uh, who was the, who was the other finalist in Trieste? Ah, Passaro. So, uh, yeah. so there he probably wouldn't have picked up the title. But if, if he played Vavasori here, I, I wouldn't really be taking the, the 27 year old doubles, double specialist over someone who got, who's got <laughs> such a, uh, such a solid, such a consistent baseline game. So, yeah, pretty unlucky to just just get. Uh, well, in Trieste he was thrashed by Zhang. He here he actually took a set and uh, very well could have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and our the semifinals was Nicolas Moreno de Alboran. It's been a while since we saw him on the Challenger Tour. Uh, his last Challenger was in mid June in Parma. Uh, after that, he played Wimbledon qualifying, and now he came here after basically a month off. Um, but yeah, he started in qualifying, beating Tabako and Chepeliev, 6-love, 6-2, uh, uh, before then uh, taking out D'Ambrosi, Ferrari, and Arnaldi. Uh, and he, he looked like the favorite to me against Valasori for, mm-hmm. for a good while in that match as well. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, that that was one of the matches like like against Bellucci, where Vavasori just sort of uh, grinded through the the guy, even though Moreno Dalboran had a lot of breakpoints in the in the in the deciding set. Yeah, for a while this week he was just destroying everyone, and I think uh, especially yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird that we haven't seen him since Parma because he just played a very light schedule recently. Uh, but at Wimbledon, I, I really enjoyed his performances. He showed like new layers to his game. 
the serve looked kind of big and again it was it was an actual asset in Cardinals which which wasn't really the case in the past he was also able to uh, construct points with his forehand move the opponents around the court which also isn't super easy for for someone like him but yeah he, he showed that the forehand is an actual weapon and uh this guy the you know this version of Moreno Dalboran can can actually do uh damage on the challenge tour for sure although again that the mental aspect in the match against Vavasori wasn't great and obviously when we're talking about Moreno Dalboran's mentality we have this Salinas final in in mind and <laughs> and yeah that wasn't pretty but hopefully he he hopefully he's already over that that loss yeah, and I also wanted to pick out a couple of quarterfinalists that, that made their quarterfinal debuts on the Challenger Tour. Uh, we had Mattia Bellucci, who to me for a while looked like he could have been going all the way to the final and, and could have been another one of these young Italians that we talk about a lot. Uh, but he started in qualifying beating Balzerani and Zukas. In the main draw, though, beat Ugo Karabey 6-2-6-4, Damir Jumhur 6-2-6-1. Uh, and won the first at 6-2 against Vavasori, uh, but unfortunately got injured in that match, had to retire. But yeah, what did you think of him? Yeah, absolutely. I think Bellucci could be one of these guys who, well, so, so, you know, there, there are people who win five ITFs in a season, and then they get to the Challenger Tour, and you can uh, for, instantly see that their game is just not made for this. And Bellucci could actually be going far, He's got so uh, he, he's not he, he is a bit underpowered, but for the game style that he has. So I, I think at the at the top level of the ATP tour it could be an issue. But in general, like he plays that uh, a lot of forward movement, uh, a lot of using of touch. Maybe sometimes the flare is actually overused, which I think happened mm -hmm. in uh in the Vavasori uh quarterfinal. Where he could have just you know cleaned it up, could have secured it, then then he wouldn't have retired in the third. And uh, yeah, as you said, maybe maybe he would have even gone gone all the way because that's that's how high his his quality was for the for the first two matches this week. Uh, a lot of uh, good things coming out of that lefty forehand in the future as well. Balucci Balucci looks really exciting. Uh, he's uh, you know he he basically started playing challengers a month ago. And the results maybe weren't amazing, but they also weren't bad. Like he, he lost to Kachin in the second round, uh, for example. He lost to Passaro. He lost to Skatov uh, via retirement as well. So, yeah, the, the results definitely weren't uh, weren't bad, and it looks like he can definitely do damage at the at the challenger level as well. Not only in ITFs and and in, yeah, super excited to watch him because he's actually so fun. Yeah, he is well, like like yeah, another one of these young Italians, and he is I, I think one of the more exciting ones to watch for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other guy I picked out was Chepeliev, uh, who made the quarterfinals as a lucky loser, as as I mentioned, had that loss six love six two to Morena Dalboran before that he beat Bondarevsky in straight sets, but made his way to the main draw, came back from a set down against Denis Kolar, came back from a set down against Dino Sedarusic. And uh, played, I think, two very tight sets against Zhijian Zhang uh, to reach to, to sort of make his first challenger quarterfinal. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Chipeliev? 
fully agree. I mean, he, I, he's been... It's, it's weird that he only took two games against Werenhold Alboran in the qualifying. Yeah. But that lefty grinding has somehow... You know, somehow he's taken it to the challenger level. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised by this, but it's not like we haven't seen the, any signs for it. He took a set of Lehechka recently, for example, which was, which was pretty crazy as well. And this week, I think he showed that he's actually capable of playing offense with the, with the forehand as well, which, uh, you know, you, you pretty much need to have any weapons at the challenger level and, and GPIF, even if he doesn't seem like that, he, he actually can. Uh, construct build points some um, with with that with that uh, shot. So, uh, you know, th- th- this definitely helped him to get there. Although how he lost only two games to Moreno Dalboran and then beat Kolar and Serdarusic, even if they haven't been in great form. Well, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to mention our picks. Um, you had Lasso Jere. I had Serundolo. The top two seeds. Mm. They both lost quite early. Um, yeah, Jerry lost to Pellegrino, Serundo lost to Ferrari. Um, yeah, not, not a great week for us when it came to <laughs> Cordenons. Uh, and yeah, just quickly on the doubles, I, I already mentioned Vavasori won. He won alongside Dustin Brown. Uh, they were, you know, they, they had some success together last season. It was their first title together since uh, Napoli in October. And they beat uh, the Sabanovs, uh, for whom it was the third final this season. No title, though. They made one 250 final in Houston, I believe. And this was their second challenger final. Um, but yeah, so far, no no trophies, uh, or at least, you know, title trophies uh, for them this year. With that, we can go on to Liberets, where we had top seed Jiri Lehechka, my pick, uh, to win the title, <laughs> taking it all. Uh, beating Nicolas Alvarez Varona 6-4, 6-4 in the final uh, for Lehechka, his third challenger title. He gets to move up six spots to number 59 in the rankings. Uh, on his run, he beat Nicola Kuhn, uh, then had this sort of t- tougher match against Subi Nagal. Nagal breadsticked him in the, in the second set, but he came back to to beat uh, Vitkop Shiva very solidly, 6-4, 6-1. Uh, then very tough match against Mpechi Pericat, six four six seven seven six, but he came through it and beat Alvarez Varona. Uh, yeah, what did you think of the twenty year old this week? Yeah, I, I was very surprised to learn that this is already his ninth challenger this year, and that mm-hmm. he's playing his you know, that his schedule is like that. Because, for example, uh, he, he he's even playing. Grozis Mazowiecki and then going to US Open qualifying. He's really focusing a lot on challengers in his schedule, which is well, you you US Open main draw, not qualifying. Uh sorry, main draw, of course. Yeah. yeah. But still, I mean it's a weird choice because at the same time he could have mm-hmm. been in um you know, Cincinnati, basically. <laughs> he he could have just played main tour qualities there. He could have uh could be playing uh Winston Salem as well. Uh, just just the week before the US Open, but no, he's staying in Europe and playing a challenger, and I, I guess he's he's playing Winston Salem. Sorry, but uh, the week before, instead of Cincinnati qualities, we're seeing him play a, a, a challenger in Europe, which is really surprising. And he, he's really focused a lot this on challengers this year, and not the, D- didn't not do that well. Success, yeah, yeah, exactly. Didn't even yeah. do that well. He had that final in Mauthausen, of course, but. Other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, losses to guys like Darderi, 
Martin Tifon Tardari recently. It's wild, but it also shows how, uh, I mean, how, just how inconsistent he is from match to match. We very rarely can expect him to have five decent performances in a row. And it wasn't even the case in Niberet. I think if Sumit Nagal had a serve in general, if Sumit Nagal wasn't double faulting so much as well, he probably could have won the, the match against Lehechka. He was the, I think for, for the most part, he was the better player from the baseline. And Petri Pericard just double faulted at 5-5 in the in the deciding set tiebreak. So the, this was this this got really close again at some moments. Uh but still a very nice nice week for Lehechka, who also I think he shows how important sometimes it is just to get to the main tour. Because he literally had two good runs all year, Kids Bihal quarterfinals and Rotterdam semis. And yet he's mm-hmm. still about around the top 60 in the race. Yeah. Something like this. Yeah. yeah. So you, you just get to the main tour as if even if you're only able to put together a couple of good runs, you're still sticking around. And for, for guys like Ahachka who are you know, just cannot keep a steady level uh, all week. It's it's really so important. Yeah, let's talk a bit about our finalist, Nicolas Alvarez Varona. Uh, his second challenger final, yet to win a title, uh, but he won his first challenger uh, doubles title last week. Uh, so the sort of interesting uh, form for him is <laughs> spreading across. Um, but yeah, he he gets to break the top two fifty with this result, up forty six spots, number two hundred and twenty three. Uh, he beat Sinyakov, Stebe. Uh, Borges and Virtanen, uh, who will definitely talk about as a semi-finals. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of Alvarez Varona this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, at some point I realized that I don't know, like I wouldn't be able to tell you any results that Alvarez Varona had this had this year. And when I saw <laughs> his records, I realized why. <laughs> like I, I totally understood it. He just, because this is his first year as a full-on challenger player, let's say. And mm-hmm. he really hasn't done well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, I mean, even yeah. even with this run, he's still fourteen and twenty on the season. Which exactly, is just unimpressive. Yeah, and, and he was only—I think he only got to the second round a few times in challengers. Uh, no quarterfinals, no nothing. I think I recall him being Colschreiber uh, in Barcelona or something. But that, that was an ATP 500. And still, didn't give him many points because it's it's just qual- it's it was just yeah. qualifying. And, and so, also, yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Just, just quickly want to mention he, he had a five-match losing streak uh, coming yeah. into Liberets as well, including a, a, a loss at a 25k first round to Lopez San Martin, uh, which is just yeah, and and James McCabe in Malaga. So yeah, we we certainly weren't expecting much from him heading into Liberets here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he was just really in in dire need of something like this. Uh, th- there's potential. The the forehand is very nice, but. It, it, it seems that, that his game just needs a lot of refinement, a lot of maturity, and hopefully this run is the beginning of something. Because at the at the end of 2021, especially when he made that final in Rio, it seemed like he was one of the potential breakthroughs of 2022. And, and yeah, it just hasn't happened at all. Uh, certainly a huge win over Nuno Borges, who would have gotten to the top 100 if he, if he won it. Uh, actually... Entering the court, he didn't know that yet. But after during the match against Alvarez Verona, Gombos lost, and yeah, mm-hmm. that 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 was what uh, 
decided that Borges was actually playing for top 100 spots. Safiulin also lost, so he definitely would have been there if he uh, if he defeated Alvarez Varona. But it makes sense that the Spaniard won it. I mean, he's got a pretty decent serve in the altitude conditions. Uh, he he can he can play well. I mean, altitude. He it's like 400 meters elevation, but I think it it already counts. Uh, you know, in 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 just how it changes uh ch- changes play, changes the the pace of the courts because I think we also saw it in which players made the semifinals, especially. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about our semifinals. Let's start with Giovanni and Pecci Pericat, uh, who came out of qualifying, went all the way to a third set tiebreak with Elmar Eupovic in his very first match in Liberec this week, but came through it, beat Sachko, uh, then took out Lukas Klein, which was when I first noticed him this week. I was like, oh, like, and he, he was serving very well in that match. Uh, I'm, I was thinking he, he he might he might make a run here. Uh, then he got to play Sachko again and beat him again in the second round. Took out Gombos as well in the quarterfinals uh, and really went all the way with Yuzhi Lahechka. Uh, very, very impressive run. What did you think of Mpechi Perigat? Yeah, who, can, who knows if this is actually repeatable. I mean, a lot of that was big serving in pressure moments, which sometimes maybe 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 in in fact it, it really won't be repeatable who knows uh but yeah the uh, even the french tennis federation forgot about this guy they didn't give him a quality wild card to the wrong Garros. <laughs> he was he, he was coming back from an injury so i think it was an understandable decision uh especially as you know his prospects with that one-handed backhand aren't exactly looking that bright but sometimes the serve can just be enough. Sometimes the the net play as well was was very cool. Uh, yeah, just just uh, just just a super impressive week, and it, it's pretty wild that he makes a run like this. I think neither Arthur Fields nor Luca Vanash have made uh, a, a challenger semi. Did they? Uh, I'm I'm not sure, but I, yeah, I I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm neither of them they, made. They, made they've, it. Had, they've had a quarter, I think, but. Yeah, yeah uh, quarter quarters for sure. Yeah, feels feels got a couple of quarters and Vanash as well, I think, and and then Pachi Pericard, who, as I said, was pretty forgotten about even even by their federation, mm-hmm. just comes out and does this. Uh, yeah, that backhand is always going to be a liability, but he was able to work his way around it pretty well this week. And yeah, the serve since the junior days, it's it's really been. Uh, you know, such such a huge uh, factor in his game, and and just been in, incredible, uh, especially for for a guy his age. That uh, often he just wins matches, you know, with it alone, and and that's what happened a lot. Yeah. Although he 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 played his backhand pretty well when he when he has time on it, uh, he can actually do it. But you know, the returning possible capabilities are. Yeah, are pretty bad. The, the there's a lot of potential fire, potential chance to like rush him on that wing. We'll see if if it's uh, if it's as big a problem as it seems. But for now, it was just an, yeah a fantastic run for him, and he was came very close to to beating Lahetchka as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our other semifinal was a little bit more bizarre and uh, <laughs> entirely unexpected. Otto Virtanen. Uh, beating Neumayer 6-4 in the third, Kinnard 7-6 in the third, taking out Tomasz Machac, who had beaten Sebastian Ofner uh, on, on, his, on his return uh, from injury, 6-2 in the third, and then went all the way to a Thursday tiebreak with Alvarez Varona. Um, yeah, certainly unexpected for Vitanen. Uh, what did you think? 
yeah the 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 all the matches were so wild too <laughs> they all went uh it, it wasn't an easy run for him at all that's for sure uh i i'm pretty stunned by the fact that otto Vintanen can do it not in finland which was a problem for him before and not on grass and not on <laughs> grass yeah not on either yeah. hard not on carpet where he also had previous entrance last year and uh and yeah it's it's uh it's very reassuring although i still don't think he's making top 100 in two years which was a prediction of of a friend of mine that we talked about a couple of months ago uh it's just so weird how not he can look just not invested in the match at all and then randomly picks it up i i really don't get what is what is going on in his like in his head motivation wise (laughs) but it, it worked out this week but whether you can win, uh, you know, close matches like this all the time, I don't know. But he showed some new layers to his game. That's for sure. He in the in all the deciding sets, he was actually counter punching a lot. He was running a lot, and he's a way better mover than people can give him credit for. He he actually can have a baseline game. Uh, may, maybe it's not there yet. At least not at the level that's you know, not a baseline game at, at the challenger level or something. He, he needs to rely on other things to to do well at the at this circuit uh but he can have a much better baseline game in the future i think and then yeah maybe maybe he is a big prospect after all i mean he he was amazing in the junior we'll days see, we'll of course see. and and yeah there's there's a lot of natural uh again very very natural talent but uh we'll see but this this was a, a very very weird run with, with just how close all his matches were i think he saved the match but against Ginard, it was like a, a mm. surf plus one forehand yeah and just quickly on the doubles we had this sort of very interesting team of neil obed Leitner and philip oswald uh winning the title obed Leitner uh had six itf titles this season uh but just one win on the challenger tour before this week Oswald, obviously, massive veteran, 33rd challenger title. Uh, so the season team up was very interesting. And they beat Yebavi and Pavlasek, who are both having very strong seasons. Yebavi's fifth challenger final, Pavlasek's eighth challenger final, and their second one together. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. And I believe Oberleitner and Oswald are playing together next week as well in Meerbusch. Uh, so there's certainly a team to watch right now. So we yeah, have and, the... and, and, yeah, wait, just quickly before we move on to match of the okay. week, of the week, I once again I, I forgot last week and I forgot this week. Brian Battistone uh played in <laughs> Lexington. Uh the first time we've had him on the Challenger Tour in doubles for I think a, a long while. And he actually won a set with Jamie Vance uh against uh, Gonzalez and Stolder. Uh, so just wanted to give a quick uh you know shout out to Brian Battistone. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, actually was thinking old, about him a lot there. this week yeah. because um like a couple of my friends sometimes like they started playing tennis they sometimes they play with me they're they're, they're not great <laughs> but i mean uh they i just i just meet with them a lot and they well one of them asked me whether uh it's normal to hit a, bo- a ball from your uh like from from, from your uh, le- a lefty forehand when you're stretched to the backhand side so sort of like what Sharapova was famous for for a while uh, Yaroslav Pospisil does it mm-hmm. and like one the, one of my friends were was mocking the other about it like he said that you need to stop this and I was like no 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 there, there, there there's a lot of players who do, it is do this thing, weird yeah. stuff there's this junior right now who is about 12 but he doesn't have a backhand so it's definitely possible and oh I yeah yeah 
I, I, I have seen him with, with the two forehands. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then there, there were some professional players like the, the, the Korean guy. I think he, he was called Kim. He also, he also yeah. didn't have a backhand. I, I, I remember my, my coach told me about this guy in Slovakia who mm. played two backhands. He had no oh, forehand. Two backhands. He, he, yeah. He, he had this like, I, I think it was primarily right-handed and this like really beautiful double-handed backhand from the right. And then on the, on what would be his forehand side, he would just play this lefty slice all the time, mm -hmm. uh, like lefty backhand slice. And it was absolutely bizarre. He didn't make it very far anywhere, but I just remember my coach telling me this, but this weird, weird tennis player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm talking about this is that I also showed them Brian Battistone's racket and they were like so shocked that you can play <laughs> with somebody like this. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I also started checking his, his records and just realized that he wasn't really playing that much like when you when you look at how much he played over the years he only really had three sort of full seasons from 2008 and 2010 and i'm talking of doubles he was actually in the mm -hmm. top 100 and I, I i never realized that that he's just not really not really playing anymore since 2011 <laughs> which which is pretty wild but yeah <laughs> find that he still shows up on the court because you can you can definitely have a have a nice uh you know fun fact to share with friends because that that that's the the fact that he's playing with this rocket and also the the service motion of course it's it's just mm -hmm. so ridiculous that it, you, it doesn't seem like this guy could could be you know playing at a very high level and for a while in doubles he was yeah, it's he. He is one of the more like what one of the wildest you know tennis fun facts that, that you mentioned. People yeah. are just like, how is that allowed? How does this work? How how can this be successful? But yeah, uh, we can go to match of the week and upset of the week. Uh, let's start with the upset. Who did you go for? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with Borges Alvarez Varona. I I mean Alvarez Varona over Borges obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't really think that this was as big an upset as what I see the bookies write in it, but still, uh, you know, just the, the solely the fact that uh, Nuno was so close to a top 100 debut, looked very good in the in the first two rounds, and also you know, just just that he lost six four six two was like, I think a pretty big upset. Although there's a lot of other picks, I think Virtanen over Mahat shocked me as well. That, that, yeah, that's that, that's, that's the one I've gone with. Yeah, I've I've gone with Virtanen over Mahat. Uh, Mahat obviously returning from injury. Uh, but after he beat Ofner, I was sort of like, all right, he's he's back in it. Uh, he's he's back on. Yeah. He he beat Oliel in straight sets, and then for uh, him to get taken out by Vitanen in this weird match, I certainly wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, yeah. For the bookies, it's basically Alvarez Verona over Borges and Serundo, uh, Ferrari over Serundolo. But I think after after Serundolo got injured in the Tampere semi, that that was just something we we needed to. Mm -hmm. Well, he's all year. He he's been barely healthy, so uh, so not 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 too shocking that he lost to Ferrari. I think yeah, I I'd agree with Vitane over Mahaj. I think for a player who came back after three months, Thomas Mahaj was looking insanely good in, the, in like two rounds and a half because the opening set against Vitane was was pretty fine too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and who have you gone with for your match of the week? Oh, match of the week. Yeah, I uh, I thought we were done already. <laughs> match of the week. Um, <laughs> Maybe you can start because I, I still I'm still yet to pick. Uh, yeah, so I've gone with uh, Lehechka over Mpechi Perigaid. I thought it was a very interesting match. You know, two guys, uh, two young guys on in different stages of their career, of course. 
Um, but Mbechi Pericard really, really pushed him all the way. It was a shame about that double fault at, at 5-0 in the, in the deciding tiebreak. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was really, really impressed by Mbechi Pericard throughout the week. Yeah, I can't, I can't really go for anything else. I think I, I can't see a match that was, you know, full of drama and still had quality, like, like the one between Lehechka and Pachi Pericard. Yeah. I mean, maybe not much breaks because I think Lehechka only, uh, only broke Giovanni in the opening game of the first set and the French, the Frenchman never did it. Uh, but still, yeah, the, the quality was pretty good. Yeah. The, it was, it was much better than, uh, for Pachi Pericard, uh, against Gombos, for example, because there, there his mm-hmm. baseline game just wasn't really there at all. And it just, it just got to be a bit of a surf fest, but. Yeah, the, the semi the semi was much more interesting for sure. And I, I can't really seem to find any other match that would be worth going for here. Yeah, uh, and with that, we can go over to our previews. Let's start in San Marino, uh, which is our biggest challenger tournament of yeah. the week, a challenger 90, although not the strongest field, uh, one could argue, uh, out of the lot. But let's start there. We have Carlos Taberner as our top seed playing Oriol Rocavataya, uh, the winner that plays... Philip Christian Giano or Ednes Gubis, who's here with a wild card. Uh, then we have Hasse against Vitanen and Alexander Muller against Sanchez Izquierdo. Kuboli, also with a wild card here, as the fourth seed plays Fabian Marojan in a very interesting first round match, I think. Winner gets to play Yella Cells or Matteo Gigante. Uh, also in the section, Matteo Arnaldi plays Federico Gallo and then Ivan Gakov or a qualifier. In a very, very interesting first round match, if Bellucci is fit, Marco Cecchinato plays Mattia Bellucci. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this one if, if Bellucci is sort of back to, uh, you know, his, his full fitness after that retirement. Winner gets to play Nerman Fatic or a qualifier. Then we have Giulio Cepieri playing a qualifier and then Jesper de Jong or Marco Trunchetti. Nino said that Usic plays Lorenzo Giustino and the, and the team of Iscatov or a qualifier. And Pavel Kotov is a second seed playing a qualifier and then Maxime Janvier or another qualifier. As for uh, our qualifiers, we have some guys uh, in there like Cepelev, who had a run last week. Mariusz Kopel is there. Uh, Durasovic or Eupovic uh, can come through uh, and over to the doubles. Um, we have a sort of unusual team. Fabian Rebul plays with Luis David Martinez. They're the top seeds, oh. uh, as I believe Dumbia is injured. Uh, they had to withdraw from last week. They did, uh, they, they were due to play somewhere. Uh, the Sabanov brothers are in there. Uh, Yebavi and Pavlasek can certainly make a run. And then we have a huge first-round match. Alban Olivetti and Fernando Romboli play Molchan of Zelenai. Uh, yeah, but over back, back over to the singles. Uh, yeah, where do you think you're going to go with this one? Yeah, there's there's a couple of players that really interest me, like Pavel Kotov, who seemed in such good form around May June. He was really looking like the next guy to break to the 100 or something, and then not sure what to think about him now, uh, having lost a couple of uh, not no, not not great ATP qualifying uh, campaigns, and then 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 that match to Jiren Zhang where he was maybe not in the second set, but in the, at least in the first he was just oh, completely overrun. Uh, I think Zapieri is a is a serious candidate with how deep he went in Umag. Uh, Cecchinato Bellucci, that's such an amazing first round matchup, by the way. Uh, and I I, do, I really don't want to pick either guy. Uh, maybe someone like Arnaldi is a peak too, be- just because his section seems pretty nice. 
uh, Koboli just hasn't looked great in a while. Um, Alexander Miller could, could might as well do it again. His section is good as well. Like the, the first two rounds, I think he should come through there. Uh, and Taberner, the top seed, just hasn't done well in a while at all. Uh, that's not really the Carlos Taberner that we saw in March or or February or uh, I don't know when his when his best results were. were but uh, you know, in the beginning of the at the beginning of the year, uh, he had a few fine runs. So I think uh, I think I'm going with Zapieri. I like the draw. Uh, Cecchinato Bellucci in the quarterfinals, that's not that's not great, but if he can play the at the quality at the level that he showed in Umag, especially, uh, which I don't think he can he can really like repeatedly bring to the tour. He at least so far he hasn't done that. Maybe with experience, with maybe with maturity it will happen. Uh but if he can play the way he did in, in Umag, I think he can he can easily claim the title here. Yeah, uh, Tepere is certainly an interesting pick. Uh, I maybe didn't really love the second round matchup potentially against Trujetti. We haven't seen Trujetti, uh, obviously, since the French Open, yeah. but he, he he was in some good form uh, back then. But, you know, who, who knows what he's going to bring this time. As you said, Tabernet out of form. I don't love the, the matchup with, with Muller. Muller I actually considered a little bit, uh, but I'm going to go with Pavel Kotov. Who, yeah, is is on a three match losing streak, but the the opponents were were quite tough, uh, and I I really like the the section here for him, especially the first rounds qualifier and the Janvier qualifier. Interestingly, Trujillo played a lot of Bundesliga recently, <laughs> like oh since the since the tenth of uh, July, mm-hmm. he's played uh, eight matches in the Bundesliga, <laughs> and what, uh, what's his record? How's he doing? Four uh, four. <laughs> He lost yeah. to Sanchez Izquierdo. He lost to Lopez Murillo, who I don't, I'm not sure if I even know who that no is. Imano uh, Lopez Murillo. He's in the 600 of the ATP rankings. Uh, also lost to Nick Hart and Gleb Sakarov. Uh, 6 to 6 1. Uh, Gleb Sakarov, I think he, we haven't really like seen him on, on, in the challengers, you know, but he's, he's about yeah. 30, 34 or something like that. Was yeah, it, was 34. a top 200 player at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's also playing a lot of Bundesliga and and yeah, but yeah, it's just pretty interesting that Trujillo hasn't played an official tournament since the French Open, but but he keeps playing. I completely the forgot Club Sakharov even existed. Like yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about him. <laughs> I understand that because he really haven't seen him much. Although it seems like this year he played a few ITFs. I think there was also a moment last year when. Uh, he was playing in the in some French competitions, and people people sent me like links to that, but he wasn't actually playing you know, official tournaments. Last year he only played three matches, and this year this year he he played a few ITFs, but uh, yeah. only getting to. Two years, Sakharov beat beat Giannou at, at a, yeah. an ITF twenty five this year. That's that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. So, so my pick is Kotov. You going with Tepieri, and we can go over to Merbush. Where the top seed is Bernabe Zapatamiraes playing a qualifier, and then Alexi Krutik or Marco Topo. Uh, then we have Dana Dead or Subin Dagal, uh, and they will face Andrea Arnaboldi or Jeffrey Blancano. Second section, Yang Hanfman plays a qualifier, and then Lukas Klein or another qualifier. Uh, we also have Mats Morang playing a qualifier, and then Vitali Sachko or Horansky. Uh, then we have an interesting matchup here uh, Yuri Rodino playing Damir Jumhur. And then Henry Squire or a qualifier. Denis Novak plays Vít Kopšiva, another strong first round. And Jan Lunaraj Struv plays Rudolf Moleker. 
final section, we have Maximilian Martelet playing Ganesh Foretek, uh, with the winner playing Kimer Kopayans, who's in here with a wild card uh, or qualifier. We also have uh, Franco Agamemnon at the second seed playing Ricardo Bonadio and then Alexander Shevchenko or Federico Ferreira Silva. So I think a very in interesting, intriguing draw. Lots of lots of exciting first round matchups there. Over to the qualifying, uh, we have Milojevic in here. Um, also, you know, the FCF, uh, Tristan Lamassine is here. Sebosh Wild uh, beat Empechi uh, Pericard yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, you know, some guys, but I don't think anybody is really threatening. Uh, over to the doubles, we have uh, Pell and Shimon Valkov uh, teaming up to, oh. be, to be the top seeds. Uh, Agamemnon and Bonadio, who are playing each other in the first round, are playing together in the doubles as well. Uh, always find that sort of interesting or, or entertaining. Uh, Oberleitner and Oswald are here. They they won last week. And also Dustin Brown is teaming up with Alexander Edler, uh, which is interesting. Also a bit of a bizarre uh, pairing I see here. Jonas Foretek is playing with Subi Nagal. Uh, just two guys I don't really think about together but sort of <laughs> for some reason i feel there. like they might have already played before they, I, I i must have i must have i don't know that. i mean i i'm not i'm not sure about that at all. no they didn't i don't know for for some reason for it can knock out uh sound right to me but no. maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe not maybe they played in but yes back, back to the back to the main draw uh yeah who are you looking at here uh never mind any anyhow uh yeah um Milojevic in his dire form, I'm not really going for him. Uh because you know he, he's in the qualifying for a reason. <laughs> like like in, in recent months, it's really been a, been a very tough time for him. The the biggest question for me is how we Yelnenarch Struflug, because in, in Braunschweig he was so incredible. And then Zug, even though he won a round. I think in both the matches against Kopejans and uh, Justino, he just wasn't looking great at all. Mm -hmm. uh, that was altitude. Is that really hurtful for Struff? It shouldn't be, in theory. Uh, there's a lot of good first-round matchups as well. I mean, he's playing Rudolf Molecker, who just won a 25k in uh, Wetzlar, I think was the was the name of the German city. Uh, but is he that much of a threat to Struff? Not really. Uh, Hanfman is a peak as well. He recently did pretty well, although on altitude, so that could be a bit different here. Uh, Zapata Miralesh, of course, is always a, a very solid guy to to reach uh, some some the latter stages of these events. I also don't like the the first round between Bonadio and Agamemnon. I definitely don't want to pick out of this. I mean, I like it as a you know as a fan. I don't like it in the in the peaking perspective. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm gonna have to go Struff. Although after Zook, my confidence in him isn't as high as it was before. Yeah, for Struff, I think even if you discount sort of Zook and stuff, I, I don't love the draw uh, for him, to be entirely honest. Um, I feel like Klein might have a, might have a pretty, pretty good week here. I, I, I think he's probably the second favorite to make it out of that that quarter to the semifinals behind Hanfman, but you know, if he beats him, mm -hmm. I don't think Sachko Horansky or Moraing are taking him out uh in the quarterfinals. Uh yeah, just su such a such a stacked bottom half with so many interesting yeah. matchups here. Uh very nice. Oh, Shevchenko you know, as well. I didn't even I Yeah, didn't Shevchenko even is in there. Um <laughs> but yeah which sort of pushes me more towards the top half and I'm gonna go with the top seed uh Ben Nabezabatamirayas um 
you know, in in Umag he beat Holger Rune, which is which is a decent result. Of course, lost to Sapieri, uh, which he probably would have fancied himself to to beat Sapieri there. Um, but still, I really love his section. I mean, uh, qualifier then Krutich Topo, then Blancano, who lost like one and two last week to to Vavasori or Arnabodi or Nagat. Like, I I really like him to make the semis at the very least, and I think that he can go all the way here. Yeah, he might not be winning challengers this year, really, at least not yet. But in 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 recent months, especially, he's just all the all the time in the quarters in the semis, and yeah, should do that again mm-hmm. here for sure. And we'll see how how far he goes. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and we can go over to let's go with Chicago, uh, which I see as the as the most stacked uh, this week. Um, but yeah, let's 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 go with the top seed. Uh, Andre Laksanen playing Borna Goyo. Uh, winner gets to play Kukushkin or Gomidnanda. Uh, then we have Radu Alba playing a qualifier, and then Antoine Escoffier or Kaichi Uchida. Uh, after this first section, I, th- I think is when the when the fun starts. Uh, we have Stefan Kozlov against Ernesto Escobedo. Um, uh, then we have uh, the, the winner of that plays Bradley Klan or a qualifier. Roman Safilin plays Mitchell Kruger, and then Dalibor Svercina or Genaro Alberto Olivieri. Uh, then we have Emilio Gomez uh, playing Alexander Kovacevic. Winner gets to play Ben Shelton or Dmitry Popko. Um, we also have Jordan Thompson playing Paul Jubb. Winner, winner playing uh, Chris Eubanks or Qualifier. Uh, final section, Fernando Verdasco plays Liam Brody. Winner playing Alexander Richard or a Qualifier. And Christopher O'Connell is here playing a qualifier and then Geese Browers or another qualifier. In the qualifying, um, did they did they not play? They played a few matches. They only yeah, only they, four. They, they only played a couple matches. Yeah. But the, the, the biggest name in qualifying for sure is Enzo Quaco, uh, who after back-to-back semifinals in, in Winnipeg and Lexington has been relegated to the qualifying. Uh, with you know he 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 has to play Zachary Spada. Is that a, is that a right sign up or or is the, the, the main draw that strong? So I I think originally it was that strong, but then you have a couple of guys who were promoted ahead of him, so, so I think it must have been a late sign up from him. Mm-hmm. I'll check. Um, we also have uh, Brandon Holt. He's been solid. Evan Zhu, uh, Vatanoki will have to play Ryan Harrison. Uh, Aiden McHugh will have to play Donald Young. Billy Harris is here in the same section as Tennis Sandgren, which I feel like Sandgren hasn't played in forever, or at least I haven't been seeing his name. But Sandgren might well lose to Gage. Yeah, Bremer. he hasn't played in a while. I don't know, like French Open or something like that. I don't know. He played in Shimkat, yeah. right? Uh, I think before so, the yeah. French Open, and then I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, his ranking is down to like 350-ish, like around that range now. So. You know, he, he might have stripling ITS and stuff like that, which is, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Over to the doubles, which which I think we have a very very stacked doubles here. I'm I'm I think I'll just read out all the names here because I think like almost all of these pairings are very exciting. We have Lamins and Withrow playing Dalibor Svercina and Petros Tsitsipas, <laughs> yeah. uh, Cash and Patton, who were so strong on the grass, they're unseated here playing Kozlov and Uchida. Uh, Hachved Dugo and Hunter Reese are playing Evan King and Mitchell Kruger. Enzo Kwago is teaming up with Max Schneer. Uh, they're going to be playing the wildcards Chris Eubanks and Ben Shelton. Bambri Mineni, champions last week, play Luke Saville and Jordan Thompson. 
Uh, JP Smith is playing with Sander Gilles. Uh, they're playing Brandon Holt and Nick Monroe. Uh, then we have Brower and Stalder playing Galloway Lawson, who are a very, very strong team together. And second seed, Andre Goranson and Ben McLaughlin are playing Gonzalez and, and Sitak. Like, this is one of the strongest doubles fields I, I can remember uh, on, on the Challenger Tour. It's, it's very exciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, back to the main draw. Uh, who, are you, who are you looking at for the potential? I take the Quaco thing, and he was actually the. Uh, the fourth alternate to the main draw, but uh, Olivieri and Kukushkin got in, so he was yeah. second in line. Really, Roberto mm-hmm. Marcora was was the first guy out, by the way. But I think he, I think he signed up for something else as well. Then he, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It, it, it's wild that he's continuing his career. But, well, uh, what can you do? Uh, he, yeah, he played. Uh, he played Montreal qualifying, so he wouldn't have been in anyway. So. In 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 reality, Quaco was actually the first guy out of the main draw, so he yeah. he is playing qualifying because of his ranking. Yes, um, what did he go for here? I mean, like Sonnen is obviously in no form to to be winning this. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also American hardcores. I guess he's not doing that well. Albot is a very serious choice. Uh, I kind of like the draw. I think neither Escoffier and Uchida are that dangerous, especially with Albot really picking it up since. I know the grass season probably you'd have to uh you'd have to say so i think albot might be my pick i will scan the rest of the draw to think about it i mean roman safiulin is a choice too i love his returning in the matches that we could see in lexington uh it's a shame that we didn't get to get to watch that quarterfinal against shank because that just seems especially with the scoreline like it would it would have been just fascinating to see uh, how this match would have turned out. Gomez Kovacevic, that's a cracking first round, but with, with Gomez being a bit uh, gassed, probably, I think Kovacevic might be the favorite, but still don't want to pick out of him or Shelton. Jordan Thompson, that's a very serious pick too, but the draw is the, the draw isn't kind to him, that's for sure. He's playing Jab in the opening round, and if he is actually going to play uh, Jab, Eubanks, and then Shelton, Kovacevic, or Gomez, then that's that's really a nightmare. And and yeah, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Radu Albot, just uh, a right. quarter finalist in Los Cabos last week, and I think if he brings that level, he's certainly capable. And the quarter seems pretty nice for him, even the even the half really. Only Safiulin is is probably like a super serious threat. Yeah, Albot is a strong pick here. Um, I'm going with a bit of a wild card, maybe a, 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 a bit of a, a bit of an unexpected choice, since it is his first tournament back from injury. Uh, but I'm going with Chris O'Connell mm. in the second seed. I, I I like his section. I like his draw. Um, looking at his previous uh, sort of you know North American hardcore results, he beat uh, Yannick Sinner in in Atlanta last yeah, year. Yeah, quarterfinals Obviously, in Atlanta, right? So. Yeah, yeah, uh, we, that, that was a strong run. Push, pushed Eastern there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it might be a bit silly now looking at this to to pick a guy who's who's only just back from injury. Uh, but you know, who knows how long he's been fit and and sort of getting over yeah. to America and preparing there. Uh, so I don't I don't hate it as much as sort of I hate my Serundolo pick from last week. That one I really hate <laughs> right it. Right after we stop recording. Yeah, sometimes so, yeah, you Chris, look Chris like a genius and sometimes you look like an idiot. And it's <laughs> well, either way, fourteen to twelve. Uh, that's, yeah, that's that's the lead. Absolutely. Right now, <laughs> again with but the boring go. with the boring top seed. Ah. 
Come on. Um, <laughs> right. Let's go over to Lima, where we have some some guys, you know, some, some interesting sort of top uh, seeds, but the, the depth of the tournament is quite poor. It's, it's the usual South, South American stuff, yeah. right? The, the high seeds are amazing, and then the depth it just isn't there at all. But that's how it yeah, happens it's sort of, most of the it, time. It, it's the type of tournament you watch from the quarterfinals onwards, I think, <laughs> <laughs> Lima here. Uh, but let's go. We have the top seed, Tomas Martin Echeverri. Uh, playing a qualifier, and then Roberto Quiroz or Orlando Luz. Uh, Demi Vrenza Olivo playing Daniel Dutra da Silva, and then Nicolas Alvarez or a qualifier. Camilo Ugucarabey plays Nicolas Mejia in, in an interesting first-round match. Winner gets to play Alex Hernandez or Gianluca Balota. Then we have Facundo Mena uh, on no altitude in Lima. I checked. Uh, it's essentially yeah. almost sea level, uh, so don't expect anything from him this week. He's playing a qualifier, and then uh, I believe Arklon, Huertas uh, Delpino, and then Pecha Kreskin. Third section, we have uh, Gastao Elias here, playing Facundo Juarez and then uh, Ignacio Buse or Qualifier. Juan Pablo Fikovic plays Gonzalo Bueno, and then Gonzalo Villanueva or Roman Andres Boruchaga. Thiago Tirante plays Conor Huertas Delpino, and then one of the All-American Derby in Lima, uh, Patrick Kipson or Nick Chappell. Uh, and then we have Juan Pablo Varias playing Pedro Boscadin Diaz, and then one of the two qualifiers. Uh, over to the qualifying. Yeah, <laughs> if one of if here. one of the qualifiers raises the title, you can stop listening to this podcast. You can <laughs> throw away any sort of analysis. Yeah, out the window. So, you know, really good to this Juan Bautista Otegi, Juan Sebastian Gomez, um, Ignacio Caru. Yeah, no, I mean, no, even nobody, the first seed really. is an alternate. Jesus Christ! Yeah, the, the the top seed was meant to be Alex Hernandez, but he, yeah. he got it as an alternate. So and he's also uh, ranked like five fifty something like that. Yeah, I yeah. Think. Wait, so 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 now an alternate that is yet to be named gets a buy into the final qualifying round against Eduardo Ribeiro. Do I understand uh, correctly? It looks like so. That that's what it sort of looks like, or unless Ribeiro I've never just seen gets that, a, but like a no I, I like no match into the to qualify that'll be interesting uh, if that happens but we'll, we'll see if they, if they pick somebody i've up. never seen this but it's it's Me very either. possible yeah uh, if, uh, it, doubles... if, they, if they get an alternate because they, it might be an issue yeah yeah uh doubles uh it's sort of half empty three three buys in here but we have you know uh mejia and kiros are playing together uh Galdos and Olivo, uh Orlando Luz and Hugo Carabe are an actually pretty interesting team. What does the Pino uh brothers are playing together? Alvarez Dutra da Silva. But yeah, um it's funny. Two two of the of the sort of top three seeds who get the buys are actually alternates as well. So I don't think they originally signed up together. Um but yeah. Yeah, it, it is probably the type of of tournament you watch from the from the quarters on. But yeah, what do you think? Who do you think is going to take it all this week in Lima? Yeah, when you when you said that sentence at first, I was like, oh, really? And then I just started looking at it more and yeah, that not 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 many people are tuning in to watch Alex Hernandez play Gianluca Barotta, for example. Although it can be interesting to see who Gianluca Barotta is because we obviously don't really know much about the <laughs> most of the uh, Peruvian wildcards uh like Ignacio Busa I think he I think he played a few times Gonzalo Bueno is a talented junior right um I um I think he was I, like I, I've definitely heard his name high. before I think um, he was super high in the junior rankings uh let me 
Uh, let me quickly check that anyway. Yeah, yeah he, the, he's he's 13 right now and he was as high as number five yeah. in the junior. So he's uh, definitely somebody. I, I just remember him being a seed at, at Grand Slams, but never, I don't mm-hmm. think I watched him play. Uh, he lost in the second round at Wimbledon, and I only know that because he was supposed to play uh, Martin Pawelski if he if he won. Uh, but anyhow, uh, yeah, as we said, there's just you know the seeds are great, but there's just not much depth. Um, only really like high profile first round that I see is um, Ugo Car- no, no, not Ugo Carabelli Mejia, but uh, I, I guess that's pretty good too. But Dutra da Silva mm. Olivo. Uh, that's definitely rough for both guys, so not really picking them. As you said, it's not altitude. Uh, I think we have San Marino in, at pretty high elevation this uh, mm. this week, but Lima, yeah. Lima, con- contrary to popular belief, I suppose, <laughs> because it just sounds like altitude <laughs> for us Europeans, but no, it's not. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Gastao Elias being here is pretty weird. Like I, I don't really know what to expect from him. Fikovic is a pick, but he's playing Buruchaga in the second round. I'm not sure I like that. Obviously, the the best two guys in the field are Varias and Echeverry. It's just really a question for me whom uh, whom of these two I want to pick. And I I like Varias's draw more. I I enjoy uh, you know Boscardin Diaz a qualifier. Then I, I I'm not really sure about Echeverry when he's gonna play. Someone like Kiros, then Dutra da Silva or Olivo. It's really slim pickings because honestly, it could be either of these guys as my pick. But I, I think I'm gonna go with Arias. Just, just like the draw a bit more. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm also going with Varias. Uh, I sort of like some factors more for more. The the form is better from Varias as opposed to Echeverri. He's he's struggled a bit more on the on the main tour. As opposed to Varias, uh, the draw I like better as well. For Varias, it's a it's a home event as opposed to Echeverri. So sort of taking all those factors together, uh, I I do see Varias as the champion. Although I wouldn't be but I wouldn't be surprised if if those two guys are who plays out the final, which would oh, yeah. be a very entertaining final. I would definitely watch that one. Uh, but yeah, that sort of brings us to a close here. Yeah, so you're not watching Lima before the quarterfinals, then you're only watching the final if Varias and Echeverri are No, 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 no. I, uh, I, would, I would watch the other finals. Oh, my God. No, that, it'll be a final that will be particularly excited oh, for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there for sure. The, the, they are by far the best two guys in the field. Well, Hugo Carabelli is just not, not in form and, and had some health issues, but other than that. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyhow, that's where we're going to finish at for this week. Uh, and we're going to meet you guys in a week to discuss Lima, Merbush, uh, Chicago, and San Marino. Uh, thanks for listening. And yeah, see you, see you around. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the podcast from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babro. A massive thank you to the two of them, as always, for their work. You will never find two people more enthusiastic nor more intelligent about everything that happens at the Challenger level than these two. So again, we are so grateful to have them as a part of our Crack Rackets team. Of course, if you're looking for updates on everything else happening in the tennis world, we've got you covered. Be sure to check out the Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and all of our content over on CrackRackets.com. A shout-out, as always, to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out. 
making all of our content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Turna. Remember, email sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turna family today. With that said, for our fantastic contributors, Damian Kuz, and Jakob Bobro, super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 